What's up, heroes, and welcome to the Producer Life Podcast, episode 90. We've been on a roll with interviews for the last couple of months now, and I wanted to pause and do a little reflecting on my Halloween gig at Lion Creek Brewery and share some thoughts from mobile DJs. I'm going to talk about how I prepared, the gear I took, what went, and what went right and wrong. I also want to talk about why I recently swapped record pools from promo only to BPM Supreme and how that helped me with music selection for the event. But first... Cue the intro music. This is the Producer Life Podcast with your host, the House Ninja. Bringing you actionable ideas to improve your music and get it heard. Booze in the Bubble, that's B-O-O-S, was my first in-person gig after last year's pandemic lockdowns. I spent most of 2019 and 2020 live streaming, like many of you, and you can still see those on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash house ninja music, one word. That live streaming was really key to keeping my DJ skills up. The setup I used for live streaming was almost identical to the setup I used for my live performances, incorporating Ableton Live, Resolume for the visuals, and my APC40 Mark II MIDI controller. So... Let's start at the beginning. How did I get this gig in the first place? In short, persistence in social media. I had stopped at probably a dozen different places within 45 minutes of my home and dropped off my EPK and introduced myself. In the case of Lion Creek Brewing, I had dropped a flyer off with the bar manager about 30 days before and then later on followed up for the second or third time by DMing one of their social media accounts. That direct message follow-up was really what started the conversation, which ultimately led to a phone call with the owner and then the booking. During that phone conversation, he, of course, asked about price. I had a figure in mind, which I based, in part, on the amount of gear I was bringing and how much that would have costed them to rent at the local guitar center. That was sort of the floor. That was the, that was the minimum amount I was going to charge. But then I added some for my time and preparation, but not too much because at that point I was relatively unknown locally. I think this is one of the lessons I took from this, and it's a big positive for having your own gear. You can ask for more money if you've got your own gear and you're doing more than just showing up at a club with a thumb drive. As a relative un- unknown, I got paid pretty well for the event. The downside, of course, is that you've got several thousand dollars worth of gear that you've got to set up, and that may take several hours, so there's a big initial outlay. Once we agreed on a price, I sent a combined invoice and contract via PayPal. It looks really professional, it's free to use, and I carefully laid out what we had agreed on in terms of the duration of the performance, what I'd provide, what they'd provide. PayPal also gives you the ability to split the invoice, so I asked for about a third of the payment up front to reserve that weekend. One thing I did not do well is that I must have had some weird box checked in PayPal that indicated this was a shipped good instead of a service because PayPal charged me a small percentage for shipping, which obviously I didn't ship anything, I just showed up. I I gotta dig into that for next time. At this point, I'm booked two months out, so I've got plenty of time to prepare. Part of what I explicitly promised in my agreement was a coordinated marketing effort. I set up an event landing page on my website and generated a QR code with Google Chrome for the event. Part of what I had hoped to do for this event to really make it unique was to have people submit spooky Halloween sounds like groans, moans, screams, Halloween wishes, whatever, on the website 
and then I was going to incorporate those into the set. That part of my plan really fell through. First, I didn't get a single submission on the website. However, the joint Facebook page that they set up almost had 600 responses by the time of the event. So that Facebook was really big. And, and that's another key lesson here is if, you, if you're not setting up Facebook event pages, you absolutely should. Now, I did a lot more than just digital advertising. I looked at photos online and also scouted the venue for the types of customers that go to Line Creek Brewing. I then printed flyers and walked to local businesses nearby and asked if they'd put up a flyer in their windows. I didn't ask random businesses. I deliberately selected businesses that I thought would have customers who would be interested in that Halloween event at the brewing company. Next was music selection. I use record pools for about half my music and then fill in the gaps with Beatport, Bandcamp, and other sites. Record pools are sites for DJs that receive early copies of new music and offer high-quality, DJ-friendly edits. I've been a member of Promo Only for about two years, and I really like their service. They have a lot of intro edits, you know, those 8-16 to bar loops that make mixing into and out of a song especially easy. And a lot of their music, and they have a lot of music in various genres. The downside of, of promo only is that you have to subscribe to a particular genre of music. For example, I was subscribed to their electronic dance music pool, which was about $20 a month. But if I also wanted, for example, their Latin pool, that was another 20 bucks a month, and top 40, that was another 12. Also, it's annoying that the only way to check, check out their music is through their Adobe Air desktop application. So because there's no mobile interface, you're stuck at your computer when you want to do your virtual crate digging, which is a little limiting. They do offer video subscriptions too, although that really wasn't important to me. That's not part of my visual performance. So enter BPM Supreme, another record pool. I tried out their free trial and have now been a paid member for about three months. I've canceled promo only. What I really like about BPM Supreme is that, first of all, for one $30 subscription per month, you get access to all of their genres. And as a multi-format DJ, that's, that's important to me. Second, their songs seem to be better tagged in terms of metadata. Most of the stuff in promo only was labeled dance, which wasn't particularly helpful. I'd have to go over to Beatport to re-tag the songs. BPM Supreme labels things dubstep, future bass, progressive house, electronica. It's just a lot more nuanced. And they also offer the Camelot keys for harmonic mixing, which saves me a step of running the songs through mixed-in key to get the key. They also have a mobile app. It's a little finicky. The music doesn't always stream when you want it to, and sometimes it stops if your screen times out, but it does work. One trick I found... If you have Google Maps open on your phone, navigate to the local ice cream store, whatever, it helps to keep the app playing music. Anyway, it's nice to be able to screen songs and listen to curated sets or genre-based sets while I'm at the gym or driving somewhere. I can then add the tracks to a download queue, which I can download later. The other thing I really love about BPM Supreme is that they have a ton of mashups, bootlegs, and a great variety of edits, such as clean, dirty, short, extended, etc., my only real complaint are the stability of the mobile app, but otherwise I, I really like the, the record service. So I found a bunch of Halloween edits and remixes that I selected for the event. I also thought a lot about the demographics of the event. As I mentioned, I visited Lion Creek on Saturday night and I, took, I looked at a lot of photos. Ages range from 20s to 50s. 
I wanted to stay true to my dance music and EDM focus, but I tried to look for house, EDM, and techno tracks that featured samples from the 70s and on to provide something familiar for most of the patrons. You can listen to the whole set on Mixcloud, by the way, if you want to hear what I played. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes page. Just go to producerlifepodcast.com and look for episode 90. I also had my first two songs planned out, and then I picked some must-play songs, which I had in a separate uh, separate list of Halloween favorites and a few of my own tracks. But otherwise, I gave myself a lot of, a lot of latitude to see what the audience was reacting to. So uh, th- there were a few songs which I had scripted ahead of time that I knew I was going to play in in a set order, but the majority of it was uh, just kind of whatever the crowd was reacting to. Rehearsing was big. I spent two weeks setting up and tearing down my gear, uh, not just practicing the DJ sets and and performing, but also making sure that all of the lights, subs, and I knew how everything worked and making sure that it was all uh, laid out the way that I wanted. I even went to the point of practicing in the dark because I wasn't sure if I was going to have a lot of lights uh, as I was trying to set up in the evening. I was expecting between 100 and 200 people, so I took two QSC K12.2 tops, my new KS118 subwoofer, which I affectionately call Kaiju after the giant Japanese monsters who keep destroying Tokyo, and two Gigbar Flex lighting systems, and a Chauvet Hurricane Hazer. Uh, If you've never used a Hazer, it's kind of like a fog machine, but the benefit is it's sort of lighter and thinner, and it hangs in the air, and it makes a huge difference uh, for your lights to show up. It looks a whole lot better. I also took a Casio LED projector for my visuals, and of course my APC Mark II, uh, which I use to control both Ableton Live and Resolume. Oh, another thing I did was renew my mobile DJ insurance. I use ProSight Direct. I'll have a link in the show notes. Anytime you're dealing with heavy speakers, electronics, and lots of people drinking, it's probably a good idea to have insurance. They also protect your gear in case something gets stolen. Line Creek has this really cool outdoor stage, which I'd scouted out ahead of time, and I even went to the point of pulling out a tape measure and taking measurements. It was all about the preparation. I knew where everything was going on stage and how it was going to be laid out before the night of the gig. I also met with the owner and the social media manager a few days early to avoid any surprises. Then came the day of the event, and things started to go sideways. The weather wasn't cooperating for an outdoor performance. First it looked like rain, then it didn't, then it did again. My performance was supposed to start at 8, and when I showed up at 5.30 to begin setup, they told me that they had decided on a new location, right in the middle of a large garage doorway, which would give me cover if it rained, but allow people both outside and inside the bar to hear the music. They wanted me to rotate one speaker facing indoors and one facing outdoors. I thought about this for a minute and realized this meant that half the audience would be behind me, but... They were paying me, so I agreed, and they then they began setting up the portable stage. On the positive side, I think this setup resulted in a lot more people dancing. Their outdoor stage is surrounded by wood chips, which would have been awkward to dance on. It was also cold, so I wound up with a lot more people dancing with this setup. However, a side effect of the odd placement of the speakers with one top facing forward and one facing backward was that every time I tried to talk into the mic, I'd get a horrible squelch from the feedback because I had one speaker too far forward on the portable stage, which wasn't large enough, and more on that in a minute. 
This was especially problematic during the costume contest as I struggled to announce costumes without having my speakers scream at everyone. I would have realized this feedback problem if I'd done a full volume sound check, but despite showing up three hours early, the room was already pretty full, so it felt weird doing a full sound check with everybody around. I skipped it, which I shouldn't have. One other problem with this setup is that I didn't have a wall behind me to project onto for my Resolume-powered visuals. I tried to get the projector to point at a wall on the side and to then use the projection mapping capabilities of Resolume to adjust the image to fit the space on the wall, but I had this weird OSC sync error between Resolume and Ableton, and after about 10 minutes of fidgeting with it, I decided it wasn't worth the time for the small sliver of wall that, I was, that was usable, and so I abandoned the effort. What I didn't think about then was that a lot of my branding, the House Ninja logo, the House Ninja website, is all part of my visuals. So because I skipped out on the visuals, there wasn't really anything other than me announcing myself and, of course, my costume to let people know who was performing. And the costume fit in perfectly because it was a costume contest. So I don't know that I wound up with a lot of new uh, followers and fans because the branding was missing. About 7 o'clock, I had planned on interacting with the audience and getting some audience samples, which I would then drop into the, this drum rack with pre-planned effects, which would play along with certain tracks as pre-planned MIDI clips. It was going to be really cool. It was going to be a neat way to distinguish myself from other DJs. But I hadn't read the room well, and most of the people were really uh, focused on the football game that was playing and were not interested in interacting with me. Even the kids that were there seemed confused about what I was trying to accomplish, so after a few minutes of awkward interaction, I ditched that plan. The problem was, then I was stuck. It was about 7.30, which was a half hour before I was supposed to start playing, and I'd already asked the bar manager to dim the lights and kill the background music. And now I was standing up there on stage, and I've got silence because I'm not getting any interaction from the audience. So I had to make a decision. Am I going to ask him to turn the lights back on and go back to uh, background music for 30 minutes, or am I going to just start playing? So I just decided to give him an extra half hour of performance, which I did. After I got through the first song or two, things went pretty smoothly. The kids in costume were the first ones to hit the dance floor, followed by the parents. As the night went on, more and more people joined. Because most of my experience was live streaming, I didn't have any experience reading a crowd until that point, but I knew what I was supposed to do. I kept watching the crowd and the people on the edges for their reaction to the music, and I was ready to adjust quickly if a song seemed to lose their attention. I think that was one of the highlights of the evening. I think I did a really good job reading the crowd. The stage, as I mentioned, it was nice because it got me up off the floor about a foot and a half, the problem was it wasn't wide enough, and at one point I stepped back a little too far and I came off the stage. Thankfully, my ninja reflexes kicked in and I didn't wind up sprawled out on the floor in front of the crowd. The mixing went pretty well. I played a variety of mashups and remixes, although I didn't play enough of my original tracks. Um, and at the end of the night, I made it a point to go around the room and thank the patrons and the staff. So overall, I'd give myself a B plus. There were definitely a lot of highlights. I did a good job promoting the event ahead of time. I was ready for the performance with a lot of preparation. I read the crowd well. I had a good mix of music, uh, and I enjoyed uh, including some of my own remixes and mashups and seeing people's reactions to that. That was phenomenal. And I also got paid pretty well, which was awesome. 
there were certainly a lot of things that I can do better for my next gig, which is actually coming up this weekend and why I wanted to go ahead and do this episode now. So on December 18th, I'm going to be performing at the Georgia World Congress Center for Winterfest, which is a gaming convention uh, by Momocon, a much larger convention uh, that happens in May every year, every year in Atlanta. This time around, I'm going to show up a day early to set up and test everything. Uh, it'll also have the added benefit of having my DJ gear set up in the room I'll be performing in so that hopefully it'll drive some attention. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned because it's an early performance. It's running from uh, 7.30 to 9.30, um, but it's an all-ages show again, so I think it should be a lot of fun, and I will definitely do a full good sound check before the performance. Uh, so if you're in the Atlanta area, uh, I'll have a link to the tickets and the event page, and I would definitely love to see you guys there and hang out, bring your costumes, get your geek on. It should be a lot of fun. So happy holidays to everyone. And until next time, this is the House Ninja reminding you to be somebody's hero today. Hey.